0: I want to tell you uh, a story about a Sunday morning that I spent with the Timothy family. Uh, this family was very plugged into Timothy Christian, and uh, their three girls have long since uh, graduated. If you really want to know who they are, I'll, I'll tell you after the service. Uh, they attended uh, Christ Church of Oakbrook, uh, but they would often go to their dad's home church, which was a Serbian Orthodox church. Kind of near Iliana, and uh, a few summers ago, when their youngest was still at Timothy, uh, after school got out, I went to church with them, and uh, since their dad had his feet in both worlds, the, the Orthodox Church, and then well what what we're, what we're used to um, on the on the way down there, I had a lot of questions, and he answered them all, and uh, then he began to answer questions I hadn't asked yet. And then he even asked questions I hadn't even thought about, but then I said, yes, I would have asked that at some point. It was the most educational drive I have ever had to a church service. Well, the service, as you might expect, was an immersion into a different culture. Okay, off of American roads, out of a modern SUV, and a simple walk-through doors opened a completely different world, uh, from the sanctuary architecture to the, the paintings on the domed ceiling, uh, to the, uh, the kiss of the icon as you walk in, uh, to the uh, lang- uh, to the service that was uh, largely in a language I could not understand, uh, to the chanting, to the liturgy to the incense. And after this massive worship service cultural shift for me, I was wondering what the sermon would be like, and when we got to the sermon, well, it was in English, that was, that was good, and uh, it, was, it was clear, it was relevant, it was interesting, thought-provoking, rooted in scripture, and challenging for the faith. Uh, it was a really good sermon. Uh, at the end of the service, everyone filed forward. Okay, You don't go back. You all come forward to the, to the Orthodox priest at the end uh, to greet him and to kiss his ring. I was a bit nervous about this, not, not used to this. Uh, fortunately, he easily recognized how green I was in the setting. And uh, we greeted one another, and he did not offer me his ring to kiss. Uh, now, why share this This story. Well, I want to link what I learned that day with Advent. And uh, for this sermon, we're going to to look at uh, Psalm 78. It is so long, the secretaries didn't want to even put it on the screen. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 78. I'm going to uh, read 24 verses. For uh, each of my three points. And uh, please uh, don't let the length distract you. The psalmist wrote this on purpose. And I invite you to enter in to the, the drama of an almighty God coming down and working in human history. A God of justice and a God of mercy. A God who is faithful to come and save his people. So we we begin with the first uh, 24 verses, Psalm 78. O my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live By his law, they forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the region of Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand firm like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the desert and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the desert? When he struck the rock, water gushed out and streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was very angry. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath rose against Israel, for they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Advent is remembering that Jesus came and knowing that Jesus will come again. As a result, the Advent season should reinforce a common year-long discipleship theme. Simply, Christ-like living. And uh, tonight, here's, here's the point I'd like to emphasize. Our relationship with Jesus Christ can grow deeper as we learn from both the liturgical Advent traditions and the ancient Serbian Orthodox worship service. Now, before I continue, a few remarks about the Orthodox Church. Uh the church I visited, I think, was perhaps too tied to Serbian culture. Um, the beautiful sanctuary really did not have a representation of the next generation. And uh, I even wonder if this type of churches can survive uh, in America. And uh, I am not saying at all that we should agree uh, with all of their worship practices. I'm not saying we should make our service more like theirs, of course. And uh, in the context, I, I got a sense that there were, I'm not a judge, but there were many people uh, that seemed more concerned about their culture and, and ritual than just the heart of worship. And this is a danger that can, uh, that can happen to us as humans when, when there is so much uh, ritual. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I always want to be open for what God would want to teach me. And uh, I, I learned, I feel, a few lessons that day. Uh, so first, feeding on Jesus. Feeding on Jesus. Traditionally, or shall I say initially, Advent was a season for fasting. We've kind of given up on that, haven't we? <laughs> yes, uh, there are a few branches of Christianity that still treat Advent as a season of, season of fasting, and then Christmas is. Is a season of feasting. So I was uh, in this Orthodox service, and I was advised not to go forward for the Lord's Supper. Why? I whispered to my friend. And he said, his answer was, because in, in his church, in order to receive the Lord's Supper, you must first fast breakfast. And honestly, most people hadn't. So most people didn't even go forward for the Lord's Supper. Just, just, a, just a handful did. Well, when he said that to me, I sat there in the quiet. I went, wow. I said, that is deep. That is good. And do you know what? On the spot, I I I established a new spiritual discipline in my life. I thought. When I know that there is going to be the Lord's Supper, I am going to fast breakfast. How appropriate. Psalm 78, 24. He rained down manna for the people to eat. God gave them the grain from heaven. And then Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then, of course, that famous passage in John chapter 6. Oh, it would have been so exciting to have been there when Jesus spoke these words to the crowds. Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Now, of course, I am not suggesting that to be a good Christian, you must adopt this spiritual practice. No. I don't want to turn it into some legalism. But it is something that I learned that day and is very rich and meaningful in my own life. And I just pass this along to you to consider when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. I believe that fasting reinforces with spiritual power our absolute need to be fed by Jesus. Next, remembering Jesus, and uh, we turn back to Psalm 78. If you hear the word remember or uh, remembered, uh, take note. Men ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens and led forth the south wind by his power. He rained down meat on them like dust, flying birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents. They ate till they had more than enough, for he had given them what they craved. But before they turned from the food they craved, even while it was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them. He put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. So he ended their days in futility and their years in terror. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock, that God Most High was their Redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. How often they rebelled against him in the desert and grieved him in the wasteland. Again and again they put God to the test. They vexed the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day he redeemed them from the oppressor, the day he displayed his miraculous signs in Egypt, his wonders in the region of Zoan. He turned their rivers to blood. They could not drink from their streams. He sent swarms of flies that devoured them and frogs that devastated them. He gave their crops to the grasshopper, their produce to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore figs with sleet. He gave over their cattle to the hail, their livestock, to bolts of lightning. Secondly, remember Jesus. Jesus. In Advent, we remember the birth of Jesus. Now, the Orthodox Church is a master at remembering. So much of the service was remembering, remembering biblical history, remembering people that had gone before us. They have a long memory. I, I, I suppose it's, part of it is due to the fact that their liturgy has not changed in almost 2,000 years. Uh, As I thought about this in the service, I I thought that their worship tradition was actually following the the worship tradition of the Jews. Maybe you're picking up on this, but but part of the, the worship and part of the motivation to live for God among the Jewish people was simply by remembering recalling God's past events. And this season, let's spend more time thinking and talking about what we remember from God's word. I was thinking this is actually countercultural, isn't it? So much around us is what's right now, what we need to do right now, what's happening right now, what people are saying on social media right now, how I feel right now. And the problem, of course, we all know with the modern Christmas is that so much energy is spent on doing everything that we fail to slow down and simply remember, remember. So a uh, a spiritual discipline or, or delight that I would like to s- suggest is simply to carve out time to remember. Of course, we do this in our services of worship, and this is good, this is biblical. But we should do this also on our own time as well. Hebrews 12.1, well, Hebrews 11 is remembering and then Hebrews 12, 1, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that we just remembered in Hebrews 11, to reflect on the faithfulness of those who have gone before us. You know, we have Thanksgiving, okay, that's not in the church calendar per se, but, but we acknowledge this, this is good. And then we have Advent and Christmas and Easter, which are a part of the church calendar, and uh Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt celebrate Christmas, of course. But it is a wonderful time as a Christian community that we can remember. And we should take heart and strength from these times of remember to carry us through the rest of the year in the importance of remembering. Of remembering. And so, when you are going through difficult times... I would encourage you to be quiet before God. And don't just focus on the difficult times. Remember. Remember God's faithfulness from his word and even remember God's faithfulness from the stories of the the people around you uh, as their testimony to God's faithfulness as well. Uh, Remembering Jesus. And then uh, last... Spending time with Jesus, spending time. Uh, we return to Psalm 78, verse 49. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't have the, uh, the guts to do this in a morning service, but I know that the evening crowd, we can handle this long psalm, right? And, uh, and part of the reason for picking, like this psalm in particular, is simply that it is long that we're spending time reflecting on God's faithfulness with his people. So we continue, Psalm 78, 49. He unleashed against them his hot anger, his wrath, indignation, and hostility, a band of destroying angels. He prepared a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave them over to the plague. He struck down all the firstborn of Egypt, the firstfruits of manhood, in the tents of Ham. But he brought his people out like a flock. He led them like sheep through the desert. He guided them safely so they were unafraid. But the sea engulfed their enemies. Thus he brought them to the border of his holy land, to the hill country his right hand had taken, he drove out the nations before them and, and allotted their lands to them as an inheritance. He settled the tribes of Israel in their homes. But they put God to the test and rebelled against the Most High. They did not keep his statutes. They were like their fathers. They were disloyal and faithless, as unreliable as a faulty bow. They angered him with their high places. They aroused his jealousy with their idols When God heard them, he was very angry. He rejected Israel completely. He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had set up among men. He sent the ark of his might into captivity, his splendor into the hands of the enemy. He gave his people over to the sword. He was very angry with his inheritance. Fire consumed their young men, and their maidens had no wedding songs. Their priests were put to the sword. And their widows could not weep. Then the Lord awoke as from a sleep, as a man wakes from the stupor of wine. He beat back his enemies, he put them to everlasting shame. Then he rejected the tents of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. He built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth that he established forever, he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep he brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob, of Israel his inheritance, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. And I I can't leave this text without thinking that the Lord Jesus Christ came in the line of David and what did Jesus say to his people? I am the good shepherd. Spending time with Jesus. This psalm is not written for modern times, is it? It's too long. But the psalmist was not concerned about the length. He was concerned about well, what he had to communicate. The Orthodox service was very long. It was so long, in fact, that at one point in the liturgy, the, th- the three girls that were there, they, they left for a while. It was like, Where did they go? Dad said, oh, they're taking a break. Okay. And uh, then they came back. Um, it was all so intriguing to me. The length didn't bother me, but it was, it was a long service. And then finally the service was over, and okay, I, I went up front, greeted, and went to the back, and I was in the lobby, and then I looked back in the sanctuary, there was another meeting going on. I said, I said what, 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 are, what are they doing? He said, oh, they, this is the one-year anniversary of the passing of one of the members of the church and they're having a, a memorial service. And it wasn't anything, anything weird. It was just remembering this loved one in the context of Christian community. Now, we had just gone through a very long service, and now they were back at, at another uh, service, although a bit shorter. The point of their worship was not the length. It was to have a fully... Formed historically rich time of worship. Now, oftentimes, our, our services here, they can get long, and, and people are keeping track of how long our church service is. And then do you know what happens Sunday morning? They keep track of the church service, and then they go home, sit down and watch football, and lose track of time. Now, of course, this is not true of the Sunday night crowd. That's why I, I can say this. Now, my point is not that we need longer services. I, I think our length is 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 fine. That's, that's not the point. But isn't it interesting that we can lose track of time when it's something we really get into, but then if it's something that we're not into as much, we're very attentive In terms of the time, I suppose that says something about us. It can say something about our hearts. To be honest with you, as a a teacher, for me, time flies. And then I hear students, and they'll say, oh, this was a long day. You know, it depends on your perspective. You know, for my wife, shopping, time flies. If I'm shopping with her, oh, my, it is a long time. Spiritual, the spiritual discipline or, or delight that I would like to, to bring up is, is planning times with Jesus. We often can get so locked into a certain amount of time, and uh, maybe during this uh, Advent season, we plan some time that's a little longer than normal for us. So I don't know what your daily devotional life is like, but uh, I would encourage you to uh, to plan some time that's that's a little longer than that, to to stretch and to simply spend time with Jesus. You know, this afternoon uh, I was uh, sitting on a chair in the living room, and as you can imagine, I got a bit dozy, and uh, it was it was a wonderful time was praying a little bit, then I fell asleep, then I woke up, prayed for the service here a little bit, and I think I dozed off again and woke up, and it was a very restful uh, and very prayerful time, and and at that point, time didn't matter uh, to me. And uh, I will tell you, I personally want to grow in my desire and my ability to lose track of time. In corporate worship and in personal worship, you know, two things that I just do as a matter of discipline is is when I'm at when I'm in church, I just uh, I don't I don't look at the clock. I just I am here. Whenever the service is over, uh, it is over. And uh, something else that I do uh, in my morning uh, devotional time is uh, I have a time where I need to stop. Right breakfast because I have to get to work, right? Uh, but what I do is I, I set a, a little alarm that will remind me so that I am not constantly looking at the clock. Oh, how much time do I have left? How much time do I have left? I just I have my devotional time and then a little alarm rings and, and then I uh, move on to move on to the next thing. So this evening I I wanted to highlight for you uh, three things that I learned in the Orthodox Church that day. I believe they also fit with the Advent tradition as well. Fasting, remembering, and time. May God work these beautiful gifts into your lives in increasing measure.